I'm Matt Bronger. This might help. I am not a doctor. This might help. I'm not a professional. Let's have fun. This honestly is a good time. I'm Matt Bronger. This might help the podcast. Hey, welcome to This Might Help with Matt Bronger, uh, the playfully stupid advice podcast that uh, you should not base your life on whatsoever. This is for fun. As I always say, if you need clinical help, like I know I get, get it. Uh, I'm not a professional, don't want to be, uh, just a flim flam artist like most of my guests. Speaking of which, I have a funny comic with me who I know, but I don't know that well. Uh, as uh, the mighties, the listeners know, I love having people on the show who I get to know more on the show, who I'm a fan of or whatnot. Uh, and we have a lot of mutual friends. Uh, I'm good friends with her husband. Um, and who cares about him? Please welcome Rosebud Baker. How are you, Rosebud? Thank you so much, Matt. Thanks for having me. You I bet. love, I love the, who cares about him. I mean, anyway. really. <laughs> what a jerk. No, he is he is one of those guys I definitely dump on because he's the nicest dude and has been through a lot. And I he's one of those guys I, I genuinely like ha have a great time anytime I talk to him about anything. Uh, and so, like, I mean, when you guys when I found out you were together and because you guys uh, uh, lived or lived, you guys still live in New York City. You still live there. Yeah. OK, cool. Yeah. You when you you know, so I don't know. I don't know who is with who. Yeah. Obviously, like, you know, I have yeah. a one year old and um, I only have like a you know, few people I see regularly and most of them live around me. So yeah. it was one of those things I was like, oh, they're married. It was like, was there together? Oh, they're married. Oh, cool. <laughs> you know, well, that's so. how quickly it happened, too. We got married, uh, we got engaged within six months and then got married within like nine months of dating. wow, yeah, yeah, awesome. Very that's awesome. <laughs> So how are you? How are you doing right now? I'm good. I'm like, uh, that's a good question. Whenever somebody's like, how are you? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, um, good answer. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I'm good though. I feel like I've, I've been in New York, in LA for the last like 42 hours. And it's hmm. been like running from one thing to another. Because yeah. when I come here, I, I generally like pack it all in in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little bit like, Whoa, you know, I, I got a little bit of activity vertigo, but I feel good. Mm -hmm. That's good. Yeah. 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 And I feel like, you know, people like us, I, I think we probably have the same kind of syndrome where if, if, if things aren't moving or we don't have things to do, uh, the old, the old brain starts, yeah. uh, starts eating itself in a way and picking itself apart. I, 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 I'm, I've watched your act and I feel like, oh, she has that thing that I have that I feel like most comedians have yeah. uh, where we're just, I definitely had it like last night where I just kept waking up and my brain kept going, but what about this? And it was literally like someone going, Hey, wake up for oh nothing. Like, yeah. it was like this, this is nothing to solve now. And also that's in the past that's done. Why are, why are you bringing that up? You oh, know? sure. My favorite thing. Uh, my favorite thing to do is I have an app called, um, I think it's called sleep app or it's anyway, it's like an alarm clock that monitors your sleeping patterns so that it'll wake you up during a time when you're not like in REM. And, uh, and, but one of the things that it does is it records you sleep talking. Oh no. And, and so I love to wake up in the morning to listen to the full sentences 
sometimes three or four sentences that I'll just go off on where it, it, I sound like I'm in, in the middle of a business meeting. Like it doesn't sound like I'm sleeping. Yeah. It sounds like, I think one of the things the other day was, yeah, that's just one of the things that one of the episodes is about, but we never found out what was wrong with that girl. And that was the full, I was like, what? I'm, I would not project, but I think that's a pretty gosh darn good sleep talk. Cause it sounds like you're, you're, you're the head writer mm -hmm. or the showrunner. Yeah. And yeah. you're explaining the background of a show you've either created or you, you co-produce, you know, yeah. like we listen, it doesn't matter what happened to that character. That's not is that's not, that's uh, not important for the plot. That's not why we're meeting. <laughs> Can you stop? Can you please just cook us breakfast? Why are you here in this room? <laughs> <laughs> the crafty person's like, yeah. I have notes. <laughs> I'm like, I have a lot. I have a busy day today and uh, I have six more hours to sleep. So let's just, let's get the rest of this meeting wrapped up. So right. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm definitely picturing like dudes that they're, they just have these kind of jobs that anyone could do and God bless them. But I think that, that that's one thing we, we've talked about, you know, uh, the Me Too stuff, generally harassment. We've talked about uh, people being pressured into sex. We've talked about women in power being looked down upon. We haven't talked about the dudes that are, uh, that just give notes unsolicited to uh, women and on, on, on higher creative levels. And they would never to a man. They would never to a male director. They would never to a, a, a male head writer. But there's a yeah. woman there and she's being friendly to everyone. And the guy's like, you know what you should do? I got it. Look, hold on. Yeah. Let me just corner yeah. you for a second. We're both by the coffee machine. Let me give you this. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like yeah. that's that's not discussed. <laughs> hey, I know. And I think, but I think it's all over. I think that that actually happens. I think it happens to women in a different way. But there, there's people all over the entertainment industry that don't do what we do, that think they know it better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's. I mean, uh, anytime people find out how much money someone can make when they get to a certain level and they go like, well, I'd do that. What the, why are they making all that money? And it's like, well, because we stuck with our unions. I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and also, <laughs> it's also a rarefied air. 90% of us will never get there. You know, right. that's, there are other ways to make money. Thank Christ for the road. But, right. you know, it's it's just this 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 thing where people, and also comedy, everyone thinks they can do comedy. Everyone. Everybody. You know? yeah. Everybody. No, nobody really watches the Academy Awards and, go, and is just like, I act better than him. My, you know, my, you know, my cousin, he can be more serious than that guy. <laughs> yeah, they all go... I, I think it's the least respected art form, which sure. is, I I almost prefer that than mm -hmm. to be uh, an artist that is super snobby about what they do, you right. know? Right. Like I'd rather be that than like a pianist that, yeah. is, you know, I, I would just rather say that. I'd rather say comic or clown than like, I'm a pianist. Yeah, and, and I think being a pianist, you, you have to have just a, a savage amount of Zen. Yeah. You know, you have to have so much inner calm. And I feel like there, there are those comics. Like, I think that's what made Eddie Murphy so good is he had this, just this deep well of confidence, even at 18. 
Mm-hmm. Even if it was faked, I've still in my life never seen confidence like that on a stage. Yeah. Um, but it's that's not us, generally speaking. We're, we're generally yeah. kind of uh, manic and mm-hmm. we build this thing and look at my toy I built, you know, and, right. and that sort of thing. But yeah, I agree with you. I, I like it that way. I would rather have someone think they could do my job better than me on a regular yeah. basis than... I think I I have a confidence that is, um, I think I'm confident in a way that is rebelling against my gut feelings about myself, but it's not, it wasn't something I had when I was born. It was Mm -hmm. something I developed because I had to, you know, because everything that I ever tried to do went wrong, like terribly wrong. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but you're very real on stage and your jokes are very well written. I really, I've, I've seen, I haven't seen your whole special, but I've got, I've, I've seen like five or six just standalone joke clips from it that I've really enjoyed where I was like, oh my God, that's such, that it's, it's really good insight to who you are. And it's also really well written, which is, oh, thank you. it's hard to do both those things really hard. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Thank you so much. Sure. It. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, wh- like, where did you grow up? I don't really know your history. So I grew up in D.C., like right outside of D.C. in Northern Virginia or Nova, as people around that area call it. And um, and it was like a suburban. It's a very like Northern Virginia is like the highest concentration of wealth in America. And it is. So it, it was a very affluent place. Like if you didn't get a car for your birthday, like you were poor. Sure. That's where, that's like where I lived. And, um, and I remember, um, feeling like, so I, I came from a very like political family. My granddad worked in the white house. My dad was a lawyer at his dad's law firm Hmm. and it was kind of like succession. It was like this succession world. And, um, and my mom who was a painter and an artist like gave up her, her painting to raise five kids and me and my four younger sisters. And so uh, it was just like that kind of world. It was like a country club world, you uh, know? Yeah. And I was this like circle shaped, pudgy kid that just like was a goof. Like I was always kind of a goofball. I, mm. I, I didn't, um, I wasn't trying to make people laugh but I made people laugh yeah. by accident. And uh, it always hurt my feelings when they did, always. Huh. Like, I was super sensitive. Um, anytime, like anytime somebody, if I did something that got a laugh, I never thought like, let me do that again, repeat that. It was always like, I'm gonna carry this shame with me for the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it, that is the thing I think about with my kids so often is like, I just don't, you know, cause she, she has bit Kara and bit me. And like, it's just, I, I think she does it when she's excited. And so yeah. she's now in daycare and she's, she's bitten one kid. And then they're like, we're like, and they're like, she just does it out of nowhere. And she does. It's like a vampire. Like I'm happy. <laughs> like just changes and goes after you. And so uh, my thing was like, oh fuck, I feel bad for those kids. And now I heard the the big the big one was they uh, someone like brought their baby. There's a baby yeah. daycare, and my daughter's one, like so she's barely walking. 
and Rose like took her foot and was gonna bite it. But all the kids are like, no Rose. So it's like this, it's like a village and it's really sweet. Aww. And that was like a balm for my soul because my biggest fear was like, I don't want her ostracized. Yeah. I, I would crush me if like all the kids were treating her bad, you know, because right. I was I was that kid. And as you said, you were that kid. Yeah. And it just it hurts so deep. Yeah. So deep when and you're young, coming out of a loving household and kids are mean to you. I remember my friend and to this day, I don't know if he made this up because he was an asshole in seventh grade, but he was like, hey, I asked the girls, why don't they like you? The girls. He asked yeah. all the girls <laughs> and he said, cause, That's and they the said, population of girls. <laughs> yeah. And he, he's like, and they said, cause you're fat and stupid, like, and stupid meaning like you say stupid things. Cause I was, I would try to get attention. I would try to joke, you know, but it was like, like that crushed me, but it didn't yeah. crush me. Like when a bunch of kids were making fun of me together or wouldn't play with me, you know, it's like, oh, <laughs> I remember that so well because I was, you know, when you were growing up in the 90s and you were like even a little bit like what we would call like thick now or like curvy, sure. like it it didn't matter if you were not a stick thin woman, even as a child in the 90s, you were called mm -hmm. fat. Yeah. And I remember my sister like sitting next to me in the back of the car and she goes, I, um, somebody at my school called you fat today, but I told them that you were just big bone dead. And then she handed me oh. her empty chips and said, I finished these, but you can smell the wrapper. No, holy shit. I'm being nice to you. Like she should have just said, I'm being nice to you after that. Yes. And she still is like that. Like that's her, that's who <laughs> she is. You know what I mean? And she thinks she's being nice and you're like, are you, you need to see someone like, yes. Oh, I, yeah. I don't know. Do you watch reality TV at all? Like that? Not really? No. Okay. My wife got me on Vanderpump rules, mm -hmm. which I enjoy because I used to work in bars and it's the most pirate ship, like incestuous thing, you know, and they, that's all they do is they, they, they like, we love each other so much. And there's someone like, I'm kind of mad at her and they all get drunk and it becomes a knife fight. And yes. then the rest, the rest of like the next three episodes are them dissecting it and splitting into warring factions. And <laughs> that's like, I remember those days and it's a lot like high school, but then you have, sometimes we watch the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and it's it's just like that, but they have yeah. all the money in the world. They're the 1% of the 1% of the 1% and they still do the same shit. They go, look guys, let's squash the beef. Let's have a couple drinks. They get lit as shit. They're all 60. Yeah. And then, then they, they, a, a knife fight breaks out and then they split into warring factions. Yeah. And it's like, like that, that, that there was a, there's this episode where this, the one black member of the real housewives was talking about like, uh, they're all being they She starts, you know, calling them out. There's her and, a, and a, an Asian woman and they're kind of like, you don't do, you don't do that thing where you're like, I don't see color. Right. And then someone's like, well, I believe that I don't. And she's like, well, if you don't see my color, you don't see me. And the woman's like, oh, uh, like just stuck. And yeah. then she's she's like, well, I have every, she literally is saying she, she's had every color of employee working in her home. That was her thing. And and I've employed them and treated them well. And the woman's patiently listening. Uh-huh. Oh, and this God. is 
they all kind of talk about themselves, but this one, all she she goes to the prism of herself, no matter what it is. She yeah. was like, "No, if I was named Rosebud, you know, I would." You know, it's that where you're like, "What the fuck? I don't care. It's my yeah. name." Yeah. Are you interviewing me about my special whiskey fists, or what, yeah. what are you doing here? She walks out. It's raining. She's like, "This is my fault." <laughs> no, it's like the rain is 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 in my my honor, which is interesting. You're like it's right. that that kind of thing. Like, so this woman just cannot talk about things unless it's about herself. So I think like your sister and a lot of people that I've known did that thing where it's just, yeah. uh, and like, like deep down, deep down, they're like, I let her smell the, the bag. Right. Yeah. Was, you know, Hey, like Bravo to me. Yeah. yeah. I did, I'm I did good. a good thing. Yeah. It, she does that a lot. And it's like, you get to an age, I think with your family where you're like, well, this is the one I got. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of where I'm at with with her. Absolutely. Like, it's fine. <laughs> yeah, and I've had serious political differences with certain members of my family, and I'm glad that like I never kind of got in their face about it because I've also, as I've gotten older, had real human moments with them and their families, and it's kind of been like, okay, like I'm glad I didn't you know, put my sword in the sand and go, you're being ridiculous, even though I sincerely believe they were kind of thing, yeah. you know, and yeah. it, it's just, you know, if I can't be friends with someone who is, you know, that, but yeah. if you're in my family, I'm, and I, I'm not going to change your mind in a thousand years. So I'm not right. going to waste my efforts. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm a, I'm a strong strong proponent of um you can accept your family without being close to them and that's how that's like that's where i've gotten to i'm like yeah. there's certain members of my family that i think i would be close to whether we were family or not and those are mm -hmm. the ones that i keep in my life yeah and the ones that i that are not um you know that i just like i'm like there's no fixing this this is like no, no. you're never gonna see eye to eye but i like I, I accept you, but just not in my space. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I'm also really lucky that I never had someone who is toxic to me or 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 you know, awful. Because I only say that as a as a as a lead in mm -hmm. for the calls. But I have, I've we've had a lot of calls on this show where someone's like, uh, "My dad's dying," or so and so, and you know. Uh, so and we had one that was like, my brother um, has invited me to his wedding, but all he does is put me down and judge me and is negative to me and makes me feel horrible to the point where I haven't spoken to him in three years, but he's invited yeah. me to his wedding. And, you know, me and my guests were like, no, you don't have to do anything. Do yeah. you want to go? No, right. then don't. There's right. no, you know, and he just sounded like a massively passive aggressive. He sounded like those people in your life. You go, you're exhausting. You're just exhausting yeah. for you, for, for your benefit. It's funny how we use those situations where like, it's so easy to say no to going to a wedding, but the, it's after that, it's like the work of it is, how hard am I gonna have to work to not generate a bunch of guilt around this? You know? Yeah. Like, how yeah. hard am I gonna have to work to just be like, that's okay, to be really be okay with mm -hmm. saying, I'm not gonna go and I'm, I respect you and I wish you well, like, but without feeling like you're a bad person or, right. or starting to do that thing where you, you set a boundary and then you let the person cross it 
until you're mad at them, but you let them do it over and yeah. over. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I, I the, the it's funny you nailed that the things that I genuinely regret in terms of certain relationships where I was just like, they said the one thing, but I knew what it was, and I still let it go because right. of what they said, kind mm -hmm. of thing. It's like yeah. we have this contract, right? You know, but then they kept, and it's like that's on me. Yeah, should have walked away for yeah. the for for both of us for yeah. both our sakes. You know. I've, I've been there so many times. Absolutely. <laughs> so many, Absolutely. I remember one time somebody said something to me. It was an ex of mine. And uh, I don't want to go into too much detail, but what he had said was essentially um, one of the worst things that had ever happened to me. Hmm. He, he inferred that I deserved it, that, that he understood why it happened to me. Hmm. You know? And I, you know, I, um, I remember hearing that and being like, if I tell anybody that he said that, they're all gonna tell me to leave him. <laughs> I really can't move right now. Like I can't deal with moving. And so I, <laughs> I stayed, I stayed in this like relationship with this person. And I was just like, yeah, what's, it's like, what's worse you know new york city real estate or just catching an abusive uh like phrase every once in a while because either way you're being abused that was like no. how i that's I funny myself. and it's not entirely wrong i mean i i could see myself <laughs> making the entire the same same conclusion i ha had a joke that was, um, you know, you ever stayed in a, a relationship in Chicago a year too long for the warmth. And right. it, it's not really the the warmth, it's it's the familiarity, it's the comfort. But yeah. I mean, the love was gone. I really right. dug this person a lot, but it was, you know, it was that. And it was, <laughs> so in a sense it is the warmth, but yeah, I mean, it, it drives me crazy anytime someone's in an abusive or unhealthy situation and outsiders are like, you know, I would have been gone, out, yeah. gone, man. I mean, me, yeah. listen, someone <laughs> pulls a gun, I go into shark brain. What I do is I grab their wrist. It's all, it's just everyone in, in, you know, is, oh God. They always have a play-by-play. -play. They're like, this is exactly what I would do. I've, I've planned this out in my sleep. I know how, I know how to take a man down. If the light mm -hmm. is light or mm -hmm. it's dark enough, I can get them from behind the knees, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my, this is very dark, but mm -hmm. my, my worst example of that, uh, that I've seen in my lifetime was Don Lemon interviewing that woman who was, uh, sexually assaulted by Bill Cosby, who pushed her head to his crotch. And he was like, well, it begs the question, why didn't you bite it? Like Don, what he said that to a woman. And I was just, and I used to have, I had a, do you remember that bit, uh, that, that show, what the hell was it called? I'm blanking on the comedian too, but you have cans on and you can't hear the audience and you're just in a yeah. room with a camera. Yeah. Uh, fuck, amazing comedian created it. I'll put it in the description of the show if you guys want to know. Um, but I was just like, I felt a freedom in that where I was like, I'm going to talk about this horrible thing. And I went off on 
if Don Lemon was in prison and a massive man was like, you're going to suck right now. It's just us in this prison cell. You can't do. It's like you wouldn't bite anything. You'd give yeah. the blow job of your life, Don. You know, like as would any of us. It's just like, the, are you out of your, it begs the question. Like, yeah. I mean, not only is he not there, he's not a woman. Yeah. Not with a powerful man who know right. who believe they'll believe him over her ever a thousand times out of a thousand. And even if they didn't believe him over her, he has lawyers that could end her life. You yes. Know? Yes. Life. <laughs> it's worse than getting punched in prison. Like yeah. he, he like he, he it was just I couldn't, I mean, and this woman had to answer the question and be like, well, of course it crossed my mind, but I was scared, Don. You know, like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, like, <laughs> that is so, so humiliating to like, that's, those are those moments where I look at like the media and I'm just like, how the fuck are you guys not just like, I just don't understand. You know, I remember watching um, Tanya Harding as a kid. I was in, I was like very yeah, young. Sure. And I remember seeing, Tanya Harding and Nancy Kerrigan um, with the whole like, you know, the taking a knee to the, a bat to the knee and sure. and the lack of understanding of the logic of an abuse victim right around that time was there was none. There was no nobody watched no. themselves, even though there's like video evidence of Tanya Harding and her like the cycles of abuse that she'd been through. Yep. I go, it's crazy to me that this guy her ex-husband ruined her life. Like she right. was so good. Right. She's mm -hmm. the best. Yes. And he ruined her life. He took away the only thing that she had. Yeah. Take it away from him was, and then he ended up going to prison anyway. So it was like, it's such an abuser thing where they keep yeah. you close. Oh, absolutely. And you're guilty by association. It's like mm -hmm. you should have gotten out and it's like, and everyone judges if, as if they don't need you know, uh, uh, warmth or a mm -hmm. decent apartment in New York. Everyone judges like they don't need a, a decent place to live. Right. So. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So hopefully we won't get one of those calls, but if we do, we basically answered it. Yeah. Um, so uh, just as I tell all the guests, I don't know what's coming. I don't listen to the calls. Uh, Renee gets them. And uh, and picks and picks the winners. So uh, uh, let's 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 roll the first. We're gonna do three calls. Let's okay. roll the, the first one. Hey Matt and guest, uh, I was just wondering what your guys's what advice you have in regards to tipping specifically. Um, so like I just went on a trip and I noticed the hotel doesn't like you know come in and clean your room every day. I still kind of just left the standard or what I thought was the standard, like $5 a day, even though they didn't, you know, come in in between each day. Um, but I was staying with a friend and he didn't think that was justified. You know, he thought I just didn't really need to leave a tip if they didn't come by. I was wondering what your thoughts on that. And specifically, one specific question I was wondering about uh, that we had a, that we had a debate about was if you order a very high-end shot at the bar, like let's say the shot is $100, but it's literally just a shot of some high-end bourbon or whiskey or whatever like it's not a fancy mixed cocktail do you still tip the bartender you know the standard 20 percent or whatever it is or would you just give him like a buck or two because it was quote unquote low effort because he was just taking it off the shelf i say you still tip the 20 percent because if you're spending that much money you should be willing to 
are you should have the budget to pay that 20%. He says he shouldn't because it was low effort. Neither one of us have been bartenders, you know, or waiters or anything like that. So he was kind of coming at it, you know, we're both kind of inexperienced. So I was wondering what your thoughts, if you were a bartender or in your bartending days, what would you expect in that scenario? All right. Love the show. Thanks guys. Uh, bye. Thanks for calling man. Uh, great asks. Rosebud, I'll let you take the first crack. Okay. So I was thinking the first thing that I thought was, you know, with the housekeeping, leaving, leaving the $5 a day standard, I don't see the harm in that. Hmm. I, even if it, it's like they didn't, I understand a friend's logic where it's like they didn't come by. So why do yeah. that? But then I thought, well, there's not a lot of people doing, doing that, like leaving yeah. a standard $5 a day or just leaving a big tip. Mm. And it's like, do it. Why not? There's nobody, you're not hurting anybody. And right. I, I think like, as for the, um, as for the, the booze thing, I was like, huh, interesting because you're, you're overspending. You're definitely overspending already. Yeah. Um, but again, the bartender probably needs that cash more than the company that you're paying. So I'm kind of like, it, again, you're not hurting anybody by, unless you have a family that mm. is really strapped for cash and you're right. out here acting like the CEO of a <laughs> multi-million yeah. dollar corporation. I think it doesn't, it never hurts to tip more. That's all. Yeah. I mean, I, I err on the side. I, I tend to over tip and uh, a little, a little uh, tip that I get that I've given on the show, I believe that I learned from a book uh, uh, that a guy I, I got to know a little bit um, wrote called heads and beds. And it's like the kitchen confidential of hotels because he mm -hmm. worked in, as a host in all kinds of fancy places. And um, he was like, tip the hosts. And when you check into a hotel and if I check into a fancy hotel, I give them a 20 with my, with my credit card and ID in Vegas, you got to put it to the, next to it. You can't hide money, yeah. you know? But they go, thank you. And then they look for a better room for you. So you basically, you know, there's always empty suites and they'll right. just be like, let's just put this guy in here, you know, yeah. him and his, his wife and little baby and, and fine. Um, cause housekeeping cleans regardless, but yeah, tip housekeeping. And I, I agree with you. I would get salty if they didn't, I like my room. I just like my bed made, you don't need a vacuum, anything like yeah. that, but you know, just tidy up a little bit. I'll put, I'll hang the towels up. I'll use the same towels the whole time I'm there. Yeah. But yeah. And as far as look, why are you getting a hundred dollar shot? Like Rosebud, yeah. you're sober. You've been sober. How long? 13 years. Congrats. That's incredible. And that's awesome. Um, but yeah, like we're talking what Johnny blue, which you want to sip anyway, you don't want to shoot it, but look, okay. If you're like, I like a hundred dollar shot, it's baller move. I would tip at least five. Don't tip one. You don't necessarily have to tip $20. I kind of, uh, you know, err on the side, but at the same time, you're right. Tip right. the 20%, fuck it. Cause what it comes down to is that person remembers you. So they'll yeah. see you the next time. And when you go to that bar again, they'll be like my man. And they'll look over everyone cause you're VIP. Cause you use the only currency that matters in that business, which is currency. Right. Um, so yeah. Yeah, I agree. Also, I I would also get salty if they didn't clean up my room a little bit. I, yeah. 
it's the best part of being at a hotel is like oh. always having a clean room. It's such a pet peeve, if, especially now that I wake up early in the morning. You know, when I was a scumbag and would sleep in until noon and they, yeah, I missed the service. I get it. But like, yeah, yeah and then when I come back after like exploring the town I'm in and I'm like, come on. <laughs> like, yeah. Mean, yeah. Hey. Yeah. So, Although but, I'll be honest, I'm a real piece of shit on the road. I'll sleep in. And then when my room's not clean, I'll still get mad about it. Yeah. But I mean, you stayed up late doing shows. You didn't sleep. You're not sleeping it off. You're yeah. fine. You're fine. Yeah. You're doing a healthy thing. The body needs rest. And you right. don't sleep well when you're drunk. Anyway, right. uh, let's do uh, caller number two. Hi, uh, my name is Ron. Um, so, uh, when, when, when do you know your uh, jokes have gone too far? Okay. So I like to scare my wife. You know, I, I make no. fake mannequins in our bedrooms. And she walks That's in no. thinking, you know, you know thinking she's about to get attacked. <laughs> it's, it's hilarious. Um, it, it's me, our uh, seven-year-old, and her. And um, I'm just wondering when you think some of those go too far because uh, I, you know, she's she's sleeping in the car sometimes. Uh, she drove her thirty miles, and then it's my turn to drive two hundred miles, and um, she's falling asleep. And I do one of those things, grab her knee, and I go ah, and she wakes up in a complete panic. I'm laughing. That's yeah. just right on the cusp of too far. But uh, is there, uh, I don't know, I, I'm asking, is there uh, a scaring too far? Because she's trying to divorce me. And uh, <laughs> that's it. Um, is there too far with a scaring? I, I saw recently there was a guy who put a fake snake bump behind his wife on the trail. And uh, that, you know, it, it followed her and she ran from it, but it stayed with it. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just wondering, is there too far as a scare duke on your wife? Wow. Um... Yeah, there is. I hate that his seven-year-old had to listen to him make that message. Yeah, he was definitely trying to say it under his breath and quiet. But it's like, you're just sounding creepier. It sounded it sounded like he had a knife in a closet that entire yeah. time. I think it's like every episode I have to pick like a, a, a clip that I, that I have the social media person for the Laugh Button uh, uh, Podcast Network caption. I think yeah. I'm just going to do that call up until she's talking about divorce. Cause it's just a boom. It, the ending yeah. is so good. Yeah. That it's just, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. I think that's when you know you've gone too far when you've messed with the person's mental health and they can't yeah. live with you anymore. That's yeah. my I call. I think it's so funny that she's going to have to be like, well, they're like, why do you want to divorce this guy? She's like, honestly, pranks, pranks. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And the, and you know, I so just, mean. 
I see the kindly old judge that's like, well, you know, I, I like a little gentle ribbing. What, a, now, what kind of pranks we mean? A mannequin yeah. made to look like a dead woman next to me in bed. He goes and hides <laughs> in the bathroom. Um, he drives very close uh, to trucks that are being hauled backwards. So they look like they're headed our way. And he screams and uh, even dumps water in his crotch before he screams. So it looks like he's peed himself from fear. Yeah, uh, I'm a healthy woman. I had a minor heart attack while we were uh, in this situation. You know, and and the judge is like, Gr granted, <laughs> divorce granted. I mean, that's the craziest shit I've ever heard. Just like, yeah, you know, sometimes I like to uh, scare her within an inch of her life. And um, sorry, I got to keep it down. My 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 seven year old sleeping in the back. Yeah, it. I don't. I never, I never got, I mean, I understand a good prank, but it's like, I'm not pranking. It just always seems so fucking mean to me, generally speaking. I got such a kick out of it when there's an article about like Clooney and his crazy pranks, like sending breakfast to your room at 5 a.m. when they just wrapped at two in the morning. Like, I can't get back to sleep, George. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you. Uh, but now Ke Kevin Klein was on record going, I, anytime someone pranks me, I just, I just look at him and go, why would you do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> He's like, what, what's wrong with you? It's not funny. What do you want to hurt me? I feel like shit now. That's not, right. look, if, if someone fools me or something and does like, I mean, it just, it. I, I guess it depends on the prank and those pranks just sound fucked up. I know, I mean, a dead body. I'm just like, you want to, you want to, you want your wife to think there's a dead woman's body in your yeah. room, which means on some level, your wife believes that you would hide a dead body in your bedroom, which yes. that really is the baseline problem. <laughs> right, right. I I mean, that's why I love being married to someone who's funny and has a dark sense of humor because yeah. that's the kind of, like, just put me down. Just right. give, me, give me my wife who, like, say I have a pedestrian penis to people yeah. or, or uh, uh, you know, I'll be on the phone with, and she's like, who are you talking to? And I'm just like, my other family, they're <laughs> being a lot. They're being a lot, all of them, all, all <laughs> eight of my kids. You know, something something that if you found out, it would be devastating, but it's yeah. funny because it's not true. Yeah, you know, kind of I thing. love that. I, I love that because it's one of those things where if you have somebody like that in your life and you can do those things, then it's, it's fun. It's sweet. Yeah. I think I think the answer to this guy's question is it's all in the you got to read the room. Yeah. That's yes. how you know. Yes. And yes. if she's asking for a divorce, you went to <laughs> That's it. But that's you're you're actually past the barometer because you if haven't she, If she could play this voicemail in a courtroom, mm -hmm. you've gone too far. Yeah. And like I, I could see them being when well, let's like when is it too far? All right, turn the tape off. Yeah. I heard the timbre right of his there. voice. You, ma'am, full custody. <laughs> yeah. So, hey, man, uh, first off, sit down and talk to her and then go from there and stop doing pranks because they're right. just, they're, you're, you're terrorizing this poor woman. Yeah. And probably yeah. your child. She's horrified. Yeah. 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 And I don't really believe the mannequin. I don't. Um, I don't either. I just don't think that this guy, um, I think he thought of that on the road and right. he was, that's a good one. I'll make that up. You know, he's, 
you know, cause people love to have their fun mm-hmm. and when they're talking to comics and that sure. just feels like something that, uh, that's a made up premise. Yeah. Know? Let me say something insane. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Last call. You ready? I'm ready. All right. Roll it. Hey, I work at a high school and, um, as a teacher during especially crazy political times, we're supposed to try to set an atmosphere that is, um, limits the amount of political talk that you engage in, I suppose, or, um, I guess there's a fine line as a teacher between your political views, teaching them about history and facts versus um, sharing your political view. I believe in our district we're allowed to share a political view, but also try to provide information on both sides and um, give the students some freedom to make the choice in which they think. Um, So I guess my question might be in a time where that feels especially important to advocate for uh, causes, when does that sort of limitation of being able to either create a safe space or um, not feeling like you're able to really have your freedom of speech um, be interfered with with your job? Are there other jobs that, you know, have this problem? And I guess what kind of advice would you give to someone who's in a situation where they're feeling a little squashed and uh, trying to express those opinions. Thanks. Bye. Wow. That's, that's a tough one. I, I get, I've been getting a lot of calls from teachers these days and I appreciate you, you know, using this as a sounding board to kind of figure things out creatively. Cause it is the hardest time ever. I think to be a teacher right now, uh, between COVID and, uh, the current argument over like, you know, what they're calling critical race theory. Off the top of my head, both my parents are teachers. Um, your job is basically to teach these kids the truth. I think you might just have to cherry pick which truth in certain cases, that's all. Uh, but pick the most human stuff and obviously the stuff that's honest. And let's say a parent complains that, uh, and let's just throw the horseshit argument out the window of making white kids feel bad. I went to Harriet Tubman Middle School <laughs> I never felt like we all know history. And if you historically know how things work, there have always been the oppressed and the oppressors and no one's blaming white children for shit. Never have. Anyway, uh, if, if some parent complains, have them point out the falsehood, you know, and be as polite as you can. But y- you sound like an upwardly like thoughtful, optimistic person and a good hearted person. And so, I'm not really worried about you because you also sound very strong and I need you to, to realize that and think about that and just, just be aware uh, that you've got that going for you. I mean, I, I feel like I'm a really good judge of character. So take that for what it's worth. And yeah, just, just you know, you have to teach the truth or you shouldn't be a teacher. And to answer that one question you had, uh, does this happen in other, other uh, uh, professions? Yes, but worse. And that's the thing that I think teachers should realize is that if you worked at an overly corporate gig that doesn't rely on tax funds, you might be forced to say horrible lies. You might be an, uh, uh, the, 
the foreman on a job where you know for a fact that workers are inhaling any number of chemicals and you your job is to tell them it's totally safe you know uh things like that and so it there's 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 a lot worse but and what you're doing is 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 noble and good and you're not paid enough yeah. Sorry to jump in there, Rosebud, but no, yeah. I thought I, I thought that was great. I think hey. um, the only thing that I would, I mean, I was trying to think when you uh, when you were giving that advice, which was great. Thanks. I was if I was in that position. What would I do? Yeah, and, and I I kind of have to take this approach with like family members that I differ from politically, <laughs> um, where I'll just I only stick to the facts, like the things that have definitely happened, you know? And yeah. so, especially if you're teaching history, your job as a history teacher is to tell a story and to tell the story how it happened. And so if you're always going back to, this is what happened, this is what happened next, and you don't get too caught up in the, the people's reactions. Right. Uh, then I think you're doing your job as best you can, as objectively as you can. Mm -hmm. it, is, it is hard because when you're, when you were talking about the two different truths, it's true. Like there's, everyone can kind of, we're living in a time when people can choose their reality. Like, yeah, and often do. And can remove themselves from whatever reality they don't like or that doesn't support their opinion. So I think just to add to what you're saying, Matt, I think like sticking to reality with the facts on the ground and just dealing with that, that I think. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I'll give you an example. My dad was, uh, were, was at a school, uh, that was very progressive in Portland, surprise, surprise. And there was a teacher there who insisted on teaching out of nothing but Howard Zinn's A People's History of the United States, which is entirely from the perspective of America's workers and uh, people who have traditionally done the worst jobs and the indigenous people. And it's true and it's horrifically depressing, but it is one perspective, you know, and it is the true perspective and you have to use some of it. But he, my dad was just like, you have to use more than that uh, right. to, to kind of get a nuanced, uh, viewpoint and it's it's not and I, I don't I don't have really have a problem with that teacher's angle I think it is noble and good but we're talking about seventh graders and yeah. it's kind of like well you know like it, it 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 I think there's there's all there's as long as it's true uh we just need different you know people's perspectives on it but yeah I think if you only go from this angle uh you know this area but i think traditionally we haven't done that area enough but that's that's me right you know yeah, I, I agree though that i mean the way that history was taught to us uh like we there was such a removal from race and privilege and what sure. the, all of that meant mm -hmm. and um and that's why there's such a huge awakening happening right now is because yeah starting to see what the what the deal is that all of this never really went away and that America is very young as a country. And Absolutely. And also I think the, the 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 young people are for the most part they're all awake like they know it's bullshit and that's kind of what's dr driving 
the people who are loudest about this crazy is that in a sense they've lost their kids uh to to what is actually true i mean you know when we were kids did i never knew one kid that was like yeah thanksgiving happened it was just like that you know we we knew it was crap like what right. they welcomed us and just showed us how to co grow corn and then was like take it take all yeah. our shit yeah. this is no more fighting this is great like what? wait it's it's this kind of bs uh hold on hey b can you stop Sorry, the wife is, is running water because she's angry at me. No, she didn't. I, I think none of us realize how loud sinks are. You know, I know anytime I'm on the phone with like my dad, he just starts trying to put dishes away so quiet and my mom will just scream from the other phone. Like, John, stop. Like he tried, he just can't. Like my dad's thing is if he was anywhere near like a full sink and they had a gun in him, they'd like, don't put any of those dishes in the dish watcher he would try to sneak one he gets yeah. shot in the arm trying to put a coffee cup in the top rack point gun takes him down <laughs> he'd just be itching be like fucking pookie in new jack city with a vial of crack in front of him podcasting and angie's putting away a dish oh and i'll be like hey can you can you please can you wait and he'll i'll watch him like slowly i'm just like i'm spending the rest of the podcast just fuming just oh, silent no. fuming at him yeah and it's like we're basically wrapping up with the podcast and it's always yeah, yeah. like something like that. What like a, a FedEx guy will be honk, honk, honk. like, they usually just leave a box and he'll just like, you know what? I'm going to kick the door. I'm angry today. <laughs> you have a box. He'll scream oh, that, you know, yes. wife, can you hear my wife yelling on the phone now? Wait. I just hear, as I say that, I hear, oh, sorry, right. I thought we, like, all of a sudden, she's Trump in front of the helicopter. What? You. Go ahead. Okay. You can tell us at a hurricane. <laughs> Caller, hope that helps you. Um, and, uh, Rosebud, you have Whiskey Fists out on Amazon Prime now? No, it's it's my new special. It's on Comedy Central's YouTube page. Comedy so Central's YouTube. I'm so sorry. If you go to YouTube and you go to Rosebud Baker, Whiskey Fists. Okay. Uh, you can watch the whole special. I hope everyone will watch it and, and enjoy it. I'm I'm pretty proud of it. I mean, yeah. Yeah, I can't wait to watch the whole thing because I love I love the clips. Also, hey, I'm taping my new special uh October 3rd, plug plug, at Zany's Nashville, where you taped yours. That's so great. That's a, it's they are the best. They yeah. treat me so well. They mm -hmm. made me good. And um, yeah, I can't recommend them enough. They're awesome. That's dope. Yeah, I've I've played it uh, twice now, at least once. Uh, but yeah, that club is epic, and um, it, doing it with the the eight hundred pound gorilla guys, just like you. So, good Amazing. bunch, good Lovely. bunch. Anything else? Thank you. You too. Anything else you want to plug uh, before we go? If, if people are, you know, we got podcast listeners here. If people want another podcast, uh, I have a podcast with my husband Andy Haynes called Find Your Beach Podcast. You can mm -hmm. listen to it forever. Uh, it's very silly. It's funny. Um, and uh, yeah, that's it. Sweet. Uh, you can follow me on social media at Rosebud Baker. Awesome. Okay, well, I will see you around, hopefully. Uh, and uh, enjoy the rest of your time in La La Land. And uh, say hi to Andy for me. And congrats on everything. Well, thanks for having me, Matt. You bet. I'll talk to you soon. All right, buddy. See you. Man, Rosebud Baker rocks. I love her so much. Uh, if you haven't called in yet, you should. 
Call me, leave a message for me and my guests at 323-763-0228. 323-763-0228. And thanks. This Might Help with Matt Bronger was created and hosted by me, Matt Bronger. Produced by Outer Circle Media. Executive producers Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcasts.